Hey everyone, this episode of Books and Boba is brought to you by Libro.fm. As you know, we at Books and Boba are strong proponents of supporting your local independent bookstores, but unfortunately, due to obvious reasons, it's been hard to get out lately. That's where Libro.fm comes in. Libro.fm is the first audiobook company to make it possible for customers to purchase audiobooks through their local booksellers of choice. They offer over 150,000 audiobooks, including New York Times bestsellers and hundreds of bookseller recommendations. And each purchase goes to support one of their 1,100 plus independent bookstore partners. Audiobooks are a perfect way to work through the TBR list of yours while doing chores, walking the dog, or just staying safe at home. All you need is a smartphone with the Libro FM app. Listeners of Books and Boba can get a two-month audiobook membership for the price of one by going to Libro.fm, that's L-I-B-R-O.fm, and enter the code Books and Boba. With each listen, you can take pride in knowing that you're supporting your local bookstore as well as Books and Boba. Again, to access your two-for-one promo deal, um, go to Libro.fm and enter the code Books and Boba. And now to our show. You're listening to... Welcome to Books and Boba, a book club and podcast featuring books by Asian and Asian American authors. My name is Marvin Yue. And I'm Rira Yu. And we are here at the middle of August. We are officially in the dog days of summer. Temperatures are rising in Southern California, where Reaper and I both live. Um, the mountains are on fire. And we're here to talk about the latest book news for our mid-month episode. Uh, Reaper, how have you been? It's been really hot. My apartment doesn't have great insulation. <laughs> so, <laughs> Oh, man. I've, I've noticed this about California homes. You guys do not have great insulation. Like, it's like when it's cold, it's cold in the apartment. When it's warm outside, <laughs> it's warm in the apartment. There is there is like no form of insulation. I mean, for the longest time, our weather hasn't really been that extreme. We, But it's, it's a matter of like principle, Marvin. Like the houses should be well built. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I, I get it. Coming from the East Coast, a lot of our Home design might seem weird to you. No, we don't have any basements. But that's only because you don't want basements in Earthquake County. Well, uh, in Georgia, I had a basement. And we shouldn't have because Florida is right below us and we have hurricane season. (laughs) Well, don't you need basements for hurricanes? Or basements are more for tornadoes? Tornadoes. Mm. I mean, we get... get those too air quotations <laughs> we we did tornado drills at my school but mm. i've never lived through a tornado as someone who's lived on both coasts do you prefer hurricane season or fire season um if you had to deal with one i'm not saying like one or the other but if you had to deal with one of them which would you rather deal with well i haven't dealt with fire season like up close because mm. all the fires have happened like in the valley or in the mountains and I don't live near there. So I never had to deal with the smoke or the threat of property damage. Mm, that's true. And then with hurricanes, uh, like I've had basements be flooded, um, just not being able to go anywhere because of the roads being flooded. So I don't know. It's pretty much 
the same, <laughs> all the same to me. I'm, I'm stuck at home. I can't go outside. It's pretty much the same as COVID. Pretty the much. The world is a dangerous place out there. Just stay inside. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's the summer of COVID, so we're all indoors as much as possible anyways, which is good and bad, depending on the insulation in your house, apparently. Um, but you know what's something that COVID can't stop is book news. And we have quite a few new stories. Um, so let's get started. We're, as always, we open up our mid-month episode with the latest book publishing news. Um, Rira, what's our first story? As always, we get our book deal news from Publishers Weekly. And our first piece of news is in an eight-house auction, Collins Teagan Books won North American rights to Michelle Quash's debut novel, Not Here to Be Liked. This YA rom-com follows Chinese-Vietnamese American girl Eliza Kwan, who is snubbed as the next editor-in-chief of the school paper for a less qualified but more likable male peer. As she leads a feminist reckoning at her school, she begins falling for the boy she, she's asking to step down. Publication is scheduled for fall 2021. What are your thoughts on this premise? Uh, sexism exists everywhere. And <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but what if she falls in love with him and lets him have the job? Oh, take him down regardless. <laughs> he doesn't de- <laughs> like- <laughs> He doesn't deserve the position. So... Yeah, take him down. Date him after you get the job. You know, if he really loves her, he'll step down himself because he wants her to do her best, right? Isn't that what partners are supposed to do? Yeah, and also you want a boyfriend who like supports feminism. <laughs> so this is this is a way for him to prove his worth. Yeah. But you know, given the recent state of the publishing industry and like the news industry, it's a pretty timely story. You know, um, it's weird how a lot of these books are coming out at just the right time. Well, also just, you know, books are a reflection of what's happening in the world. And also sexism, racism, um, capitalism, none of that is going away anytime soon. (laughs) So it's always going to be timely. Yeah. All right. Our next story. Harper Teen bought Axios XOXO. The YA rom-com follows a Korean-American cello prodigy who spends part of her junior year at an elite music academy in Seoul, where she falls into a whirlwind secret romance with the lead singer of K-pop's biggest boy band. Publication is scheduled for summer 2021. Rira, this sounds like your jam. Kind of. <laughs> I, <laughs> here's the thing. I, I love Korean music. I love Korean indie, hip-hop, and some... And some pop here and there, but I'm very skeptical when it comes to books that are romances with K-pop stars. I don't, I don't know, like for some reason, it just kind of makes me feel, I don't know. It's like, will they get it right? Will they get the culture right? Obviously, Mm. Axie O is Korean American and she has followed K-pop for a very long time. So I'm sure she'll get it correct i mean wasn't so. her last book on um, rebel soul about like k-pop and robots i don't think k-pop was in there oh maybe it i'm was, thinking of something it else. was yeah it was like mecca but yeah. <laughs> i mean i feel like it checks a lot of the boxes though you know you have not just the the k-pop part but also school drama set in korea at a music academy i, I mean, know those check a lot of boxes for me <laughs> Well, the thing is, I will I will read it because 
Axie O. I read Rebel Soul and it was a fun book. And I I have trust in Axie O <laughs> to get all of these elements right. So I yeah. am excited for her. 2021. It is pretty diabolical that she um, named the book after herself because it's, it's XOXO. It's just Axio twice. Isn't it like kisses and hugs? Like, is, isn't I think that what so. XOXO I was, is? I was trying to make a joke. Never mind. All right. So yeah. our next book deal is Macmillan Ottaviano bought world English rights to Karen Chow's middle grade debut, Miracle, which is about an Asian American girl struggling to find herself through friendship and music in the wake of her father's death. Publication is planned for 2022. Mm, this one's not as not as upbeat as the last one. No, not as feel good. <laughs> um, but that's a pretty deep subject for a middle grade novel. Yeah. Um, I mean, it, it does have music in it. Music and friendship. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, next up, William Morrow signs Sequoia Nagamatsu's debut novel, How High We Go in the Dark. According to the publishers, the novel explores humanity's struggle to rebuild itself in the aftermath of a climate plague and is akin to Station Eleven and Cloud Atlas. Very timely. Yeah, I don't see a release date. I'm going to assume probably 2021, 2022. Um, Yeah, I really loved Station Eleven. So I am very interested in seeing what this book is about. Or I guess we already know what it's about, but uh, (laughs) get get more familiar with the plot and the characters. I don't think I've read, I've never read Station Eleven or Cloud Atlas or watched the movie. Like, what kind of vibes does that invoke? So Station Eleven, um, it alternates between, like, present uh, present day and um, before, I guess, the end of the world started happening. Mm-hmm. And I would say it's, like, more about, like, a band of survivors and uh, just a slice of life during the apocalypse and the small like the small cast of people like what their lives were like before the end of the world happened okay how they've changed and it has like a very interesting um like it goes places there are some twists so it (laughs) it it is very dramatic but at the same time like the pacing of it is very natural and yeah you know me i love slice of life stuff (laughs) Um, what's next, Vera? Okay, so next up, HarperCollins Balzer and Bray acquired at auction world English rights to Laura Gao's debut YA graphic memoir, The Wuhan I Know, and a second graphic work. Based on the Twitter story that went viral, the first book is about growing up in two worlds, Texas and Wuhan. The book also explores struggles with identity and prejudices underscored by the pandemic. The second graphic work is about a queer girl's many loves. Publication for the first book is planned for summer 2021. Yeah, another graphic memoir. Um, this time, again, a really timely subject. Um, looking forward to checking it out. I wonder how the art's going to look. I'm really curious. What is this Twitter story that went viral? <laughs> um, I just looked up the Twitter thread and it looks like it's you know her explaining to people what Wuhan is as a place as opposed to a disease. Right. Um, and I think that's really important because kind of like how people view Vietnam as like a war instead of a country. You know, a lot of people view coronavirus in Wuhan as like the virus and not like a place that people lived, that there's culture and, and that people are from. And, you know, anything to add more empathy to like this seriously tragic event that we're all going through right now. Um, 
is a good thing. Next up, Random House Graphic acquired world rights to Expedition Backyard, a nonfiction young chapter book graphic novel by Rosemary Mosco and Bingling Hu. The book follows gregarious vole and more retiring mole who explore their suburban environment until they accidentally move to the city and have to adjust to a new outdoor life. Publication is slated for 2022. That was a mouthful. Nonfiction young chapter book graphic novel. I don't know what vole and mole is. Like, are they human? <laughs> it <laughs> you know, says I it's nonfiction, so I like I'm I'm not sure. Like from from the context clues from this story, I'm gonna assume they're kids okay. um, who move from suburbia to the city. But I may be wrong. Yeah, we might be completely wrong. So. <laughs> Um, next up, Random House Graphic acquired Raimino Yi's middle grade graphic novel, My Aunt is a Monster, which is about a blind orphan named Safia who dreams of becoming an who dreams of becoming an adventurer. When it's discovered that Safia has a living relative, the reclusive lady Walter Ann Whimsy, Safia is whisked away to her new home and a new adventure she never knew was possible. Publication is planned for 2022. This sounds like a classic young reader um, setup, right? Like orphans get taken in by a eccentric caretaker and shenanigans ensue. Kind of reminds me of a um, series of unfortunate events. Or like L- Ma- At least like the setup, you know, or, well, Matilda wasn't an orphan. She just had bad parents. Mm. I actually don't remember Matilda at all. Have you ever yeah. read the book? No, I watched the movie, though. And the movie is a pretty um, accurate adaptation, I would say. But obviously, I don't remember the details because I always thought they were like, like an evil aunt or something. No, they're, they're evil parents who <laughs> want her to watch TV and says, reading is bad and why do you want to learn? You should be able to swindle people and get easy money and stuff like that. So, mm, Got it. Yeah, obviously, I don't remember the movie. I remember I liked it, but I don't remember... The details. Uh, our next story: A Random House studio bought world rights to Helena Curie's picture book *Rosa's Song*, which is about a friendship that develops in an apartment full of newly arrived immigrants. Pascal Campion will illustrate. Publication is planned for summer 2022. Hey Arnold. <laughs> what? You know how Hey Arnold it takes place. Um, like I, Hey Arnold, the main character, he lives in a boarding house. I've never and watched like hey a bunch Arnold. of. <gasps> that was a Nickelodeon show, right? It was a Nickelodeon show. See, my family was always too cheap to buy basic cable, so I never got Nickelodeon growing up. Uh, I watched the show by going over to other people's houses. <laughs> <laughs> I think Kane Arnold was also a little past my time, too, in terms of um, Nickelodeon. Ah, that's true. Yeah. yeah. Like, my era was like Rugrats, Doug, and uh, Johnny Bravo, that kind of stuff. Johnny Bravo was Cartoon Network. Right. Same era. That era yeah. Stuff. yeah, same era. Yeah. All right. So next up, HarperCollins acquired Joanna Ho's debut YA novel, The Silence That Binds Us. After her popular older brother's death by suicide, racist accusations are hurled against 16-year-old May, her Chinese-American parents, and other Asian families for putting too much pressure on their kids. May attempts to challenge the racism and ugly stereotypes through her writing only to realize that she still has much to learn and the consequences of speaking truth to power run much deeper than she could have foreseen. Publication is set for summer 2022. 
I can't recall any stories that like invoke this specific type of like Asian American experience, right? With like with like the stereotype of you know like oh the parents they push their child into um, trying to achieve academic ex- excellence and they couldn't handle the pressure and that's why they decided to kill themselves, which is yeah. Yeah, I'm really interested to see how this book tackles it because, you know, one of the first books you read was Everything I Never Told You, which is similar, kind of like people trying to find meaning behind um, behind a suicide. I really do hope that, um, like, the topic of mental illness will be in the book because I don't want it to be... Um, I mean, it, from judging from, like, the premise, it seems like pr- pressure wasn't really the reason why like it may have been it may have been a trigger it might might have been like one of the reasons but it wasn't like the main reason why the brother uh killed themselves so like like i hope like the the idea of like oh like it could have been mental illness but we don't really talk about mental illness in the asian american community and that's yeah. probably um something that happened it's something that fell into the cracks so I'm I'm really curious as to like how or if they're going to put a mental illness into the story. Yeah, I mean there's a lot of there's a lot of ways to tell the story. Um a lot of ways to tell it wrong too, but I'm optimistic that Joanna Ho um will be able to pull it off. Um next up, Random House acquired at auction Katie Zhao's middle grade series Winnie Zhang, pitched as The Storm Runner meets Pie in the Sky with the Heart of Front Desk. The series follows a Chinese-American girl navigating middle school. In the first book, Winnie Zhang and the Magic Mooncake, Winnie discovers her deceased grandmother's magic cookbook and learns that she's descended from a long line of shamans who can use magic recipes to fight demons, inciting her to take pride in her heritage and become the hero that her classmates and town need. Publication will begin in fall 2022. Yo, this sounds pretty awesome. Uh, Katie Zhao is the author of Dragon Warrior, right? Yeah, and... um. The second book, The Fallen Hero, is coming out later this year as well. Um, congrats to Katie Zhao for continuing to pump these books out because I think she's on a roll now. This would be like her third or fourth book in like the last three to four years. So That's great. <laughs> All right. Our final book deal is Bloomsbury Acquired World Rights to Ama Far Away, written by Margaret Chu Grineas and illustrated by Tracy Subisak. The picture book in modified reverse poem structure is about a Taiwanese-American girl who goes to visit her ama in Taiwan. Yeah, that's exciting. Um, it's, um, it's exciting that we get a um, return in the motherland story, but for younger children. And that wraps up our book deal segment. We're going to move on to book news. And there are some pretty big, exciting news that happened recently. Yeah, a lot of um, book adaptation news actually um our first story uh carrie washington's production company simpson street is developing a tv adaptation of number one chinese restaurant by lillian lee um writer director jessica yu is attached to work on the series number one chinese restaurant if you recall is one of our past books and boba book club picks um that i was really into and i'm really excited to see this come to um the tv screen uh, Jessica Yu is actually a pretty well-known director in the Asian American um, film circles. Um, she's, I think she's most well-known as a documentary um, director. And she's well-known to me as the director of the classic Asian American sports film, Ping Pong Playa. 
Oh, really? Ping pong player? Yeah. She's the director for that? Yeah. Awesome. (laughs) Well, Um, number one Chinese restaurant for those who haven't listened to our episode or don't really know much about the book. It's an ensemble piece and it's about a family that works at a Chinese restaurant that was founded by their father or grandfather. I think it was their father. Mm -hmm. And uh, their father passes away. And the two brothers who had been managing this restaurant that has kind of fallen off of off of its glory days, uh, they start to kind of have a competition in a way. Like uh, one of one of the brothers, he goes to make his own restaurant, make it more modern. Yeah, it's like your classic. Like one brother wants to maintain the family legacy and heritage, and the other brother wants like we need to be more flashy. We need to get with the times, and you know, we talked about the, the half that's the family of that owns the restaurant, but also a big like a half of the story is also about the people that work there, specifically two of the um, wait staff or two of the servers that have been there for like decades. And I could kind of see the story having that like Dalton Abbey type of like management and like floor staff separation. You have like the owner's family and their struggles on who gets to succeed, um, who, who gets to take the family business to the next level or to the next generation. And then you have like all the people that serve and like rely on those people for their jobs. Yeah. I'm really excited about this one. Well, congrats to Lillian Lee for um, getting her work adapted into TV. It sucks that we're in the middle of pandemic mode. So um, we probably won't know when this will be coming out, but it sounds like it's in development. So hopefully it sounds we'll- like they have plenty of time to write a really good script. <laughs> yeah. Work on a really good pilot. Um, and hopefully we'll see it in like a year or two or three. I'm glad that it's coming out. Um, Rira, I'm really excited about this next story. Do you want to announce it or should I? You can, yeah, go ahead. It's your turn. Go ahead. I, okay. Well, I found out the news through you. So I was just giving you, I was giving you the opportunity. I totally um, retweeted this on the Books and Boba account and then went immediately to my own account and retweeted my, our Books and Boba post <laughs> in my own account. So... Fonda Lee's Jade City is being adapted by NBC Universal streaming platform, Peacock. And for those of you who don't know anything about Jade City or um, haven't listened to our episode with Fonda Lee, because she was previously on our show for an interview, um, Jade City is part of the Greenbone saga. There's two books out right now, and the third book is on its way. And it's... Like, think 1970s Hong Kong gangsters with magic stone. Is that is that an accurate description? Well, the, the magic stones give them power. So it's basically, um, imagine like your like wuxia, like Chinese um, fantasy uh, martial arts heroes. But instead of being in like feudal or imperial China, you are in post-World War II Hong Kong slash Shanghai. So you have all these cool warriors, but they're all wearing like suits and vests and fedoras and stuff. And also they're gangsters. I would describe it as the Godfather meets like Avatar the Last Airbender. Yeah, I think that's a pretty good, like that's a pretty good description. (laughs) Uh, So the director is Breck Eisner, and he's the director of The Expanse, which is a show that Marvin absolutely adores we were talking about it not that long ago <laughs> yeah i mean brooke eisner is the director that directed a lot of the best episodes of the expanse 
So if, if you're a fan of that show, you know this guy and what he can do, which is awesome. That combined with like, I really like the fact that the writer is an Asian person. Like he's half Asian and he's had experience in like spy series and thriller series. So I think, I mean, one of the biggest worries about adapting something like this is finding someone who can understand the nuances of like an Asian family or an Asian society and having someone from that background as the showrunner it puts my mind at ease that like if they have people like bring up things that don't make sense he'll they'll be able to like call it out and like fix it because that's always the biggest concern in shows like this is how diverse is that room and if someone who comes from a place of like knowledge speaks up will they be listened to yeah uh the writer is dave kalstein and he sold nbc a drama called quantum spy which is about a chinese american <laughs> cia agent so yeah like he seems like the perfect person to write this project. Yeah, um, I heard that Fonda Lee is actually going to be a consulting uh, producer. Yeah, she's involved as a consulting producer. So she'll be there to, I guess, play the J.R.R. Martin role of making sure the story stays on the track. And thankfully, by the time this comes out, her third book, Jade Legacy, which is the, um, the end of the Greenbone saga, I think, will be out. Um, and... We won't have the unfortunate uh, situation of the book falling behind the TV series, hopefully. I'm really glad that they're making a series instead of a movie. Yeah, I'm really glad, but I'm also a little annoyed that like, I'm going to have to get Peacock for this. Because I don't need another streaming service. Oh, well. Maybe maybe we can work something out, Marvin. Maybe we can... <laughs> for Jade City, I will, I, will, I will bite the bullet and pay pay nbc universal their due um speaking of the last airbender um fc Yi's avatar the last airbender rise of kiyoshi and shadow of kiyoshi became new york times bestsellers on the week of july 31st and they're still on the list yeah that's um that's pretty cool i again have not consumed any avatar content even though now they're available on netflix yeah i'm a bad person but <laughs> i'm happy for fce um, I'm still working my way through the epic crush of Genie Low 2. It's been on my TBR list for a while and uh, looking forward to, to reading that at some point. Um, yeah, like I, I'm a huge fan of Avatar The Last Airbender. Uh, people who have listened to previous episodes of Books and MOBA would probably know how big of a fan I am. <laughs> um, shamefully, a really, really big fan. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I have not... I think I read like maybe like one or two of the comics that came mm. out after uh, the series ended, but I haven't I haven't picked up Rise of Kyoshi or Shadow of Kyoshi, and I really want to because Avatar Kyoshi is um, one of the coolest avatars in the history of um, <laughs> avatars that we have seen on the show. So this uh, one is a prequel to the original series, right? It takes place before or after. Um, I, Avatar Kyoshi is one, two. She's two avatars removed from Aang, who is the main character in Avatar: The Last Airbender. Yeah, but like Kyoshi is badass, and you know, <laughs> I I would love to read more about her because the books explore her history and you know her avatar training and all that. Yeah. Um, so congratulations again to FCE for uh, getting on the New York Times bestsellers list. 
Um, recently, there was an author who criticized the New York Times for prioritizing books based on intellectual property instead of original works, um, saying something along the lines of people should support actual writers who take actual risks and how books based on intellectual property shouldn't um, shouldn't be on the bestsellers list or shouldn't shouldn't really be uh, prioritized. The original tweet was deleted, um, but it sparked a really wide conversation on book Twitter about the importance of um, IP and work for hire writers and how books that that are based on intellectual property have opened doors for women and authors of color who probably wouldn't have gotten their foot in their door otherwise, or at least for a really long time. Yeah. And by intellectual properties, I mean like, you know how like the Babysitter's Club, that is a really long series, but <laughs> you know, there have been like multiple authors who pitched in stories. Uh same thing with um Vampire Diaries. So like a lot of like even Marvel stuff, like recently the Star Wars anthology that we announced not that long ago with Sarah Kuhn, CB Lee, a lot of our friends uh, who are part of the project, that's an intellectual property work. Yeah. I mean, I feel like, you know, it's hard to sell original ideas sometimes, especially if you're unproven. Think about all the hundreds of books in the expanded universe um, of Star Wars or Star Trek or Halo or Warcraft, right? And a lot of people probably cut their teeth writing books in those series. Good writing is good writing. And like, to me, bestsellers list it's like being in podcasting right everyone wants to be new and noteworthy but there's no true formula like a lot of it is kind of subjective a lot of okay so i'm just gonna say this right now the new york times bestsellers list it's rigged it is a it, it is a system uh where publishers have a lot of power and you know like a lot of it has to do with marketing and a lot of it has to do with publicity as well. And that's the reason why American Dirt was a New York Times bestseller. Um, I mean, a lot of people are reading it now, unfortunately, but you know, like, yeah. I mean, it's like there have been, there have been like very controversial and poorly written books that landed on the New York Times bestsellers list. And, you know, the people like like authors of color who worked really hard to get onto the New York Times bestsellers list, that doesn't uh, diminish the um, that doesn't diminish your writing. Like, I th I think if you made it to the list, like, great, it's it's a, it's an achievement. But also, I don't think we should knock on authors who haven't made haven't made it to the list. And I don't think works that are based on intellectual property is any less original, you know? Because like you said, good writing is good writing. If it's good, it's good. I'm, and I've read like, I've read works based on IP that are really good. And I've read some that are really bad. So, <laughs> you know, it's, I get the frustration that it seems a little bit more lazy, but at the same time, I think it's probably even harder to like really create a good story with characters that are already existing. And people know, right? Just take a look at the the most recent Star Wars trilogy, right? Like those are movies made by different directors. Well, two directors that 
use the same characters, but are telling very different stories. And same you know, thing with somewhere. Star Wars books because there are yeah. Star Wars books. There's a lot of them. Yeah, I mean, I'm definitely one for like celebrating our wins where we get them, but at the same time, you know, I don't want to like. I've never been the type of person who wants to gatekeep like what's considered the right way to do things, right? Because there there are multiple right ways. And also, like, like what is it? Uh, Karuna Riazi, the author of The Gauntlet, um, that was her first book. And The Gauntlet is actually a work for hire. Like, she got that, she got to be the author of that book because um, Cake Literary, which is a book packaging company, they wanted a story about a Muslim American girl who, in like a fantasy adventure type of story and karuna she auditioned for it she wrote like she wrote a sample and her writing was good and it just because she was hired to write that story doesn't mean that the story isn't hers you know she put her own personal experiences into the writing and that's what made the story richer and like i said i don't think it makes her any less of a I don't know. Like, it yeah. doesn't make her any less of an original creator just because the idea came from someone else. This is something that um, a lot of my writing professors have have told uh, me and my classmates. It's that everyone has ideas, and even if you have like the same premise for a screenplay or a book or whatever you're going to write it differently and it's going to come out differently from whoever, like from your classmate who might have the same idea. It's why like so many rom-coms, which follow a formula, they're all (laughs) going to be, they're all going to be a little bit different because someone else wrote it and someone else put their own experiences in it. I know this time it's a baker. Next time it's a TV executive. Next time it's a, a wedding planner. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and also as somebody who like read a lot of fan fiction growing up i have no problems with with ip works <laughs> <laughs> sometimes the ip is sometimes the fanfic is better than the original work and you know sometimes the the writer who works on the ip work they they develop the characters better and sometimes fan fiction actually becomes new york times bestsellers too that's true yeah Cough, Twilight, cough. <laughs> well, I guess with that, that'll do it for this mid-month episode of Books and Boba. Thank you so much for joining us as we go through the latest book news and publishing deals. Um, Rira, thank you once again for pulling all these stories together. Yeah, no problem. It <laughs> took me forever. <laughs> um, don't I'm, forget. I'm just kidding. It did not take me forever, but you know, thank you regardless. Don't forget our August 2020 book club pick is. The Empress of Salt and Fortune by Ni Vo. Um, we'll be talking about that at the end of the month. Um, stay tuned. Next week, we're going to bring you another great um, author interview, this time with Supriya Kelker, the author of As American as Paneer Pie. Um, so stick around for that. That'll be coming at you next week on Books and Boba. But until then, thanks for listening, and we'll see you all next time. Okay, bye. Bye, everyone. Thanks for listening to Books and Boba. This podcast was hosted by Marvin Yue and Rira Yu and edited and produced by Marvin Yue. 
Follow the book club on Twitter and Instagram by going to at Books and Boba and engage with us on Goodreads on our Goodreads group. You can also check out past episodes of the podcast by going to booksandboba.com and by subscribing to us on your favorite podcast app. Books and Boba is a proud member of the Potluck Podcast Collective, a collective of Asian American hosted podcasts featuring unique voices and stories from the Asian diaspora. Learn more about the collective and check out our fellow Potluck shows by visiting the website podcastpotluck.com. Thanks for listening. Hey, I'm Phil Yu, and you may know me from a blog called Angry Asian Man. And I'm Jeff Yang, author, journalist, and celebrity dad. We host a podcast called They Call Us Bruce, an unfiltered conversation about what's happening in Asian America. Each week or so, we host a discussion about some of the most vital and interesting topics in our pop culture and our community, bringing in guests who are shaping and informing this thing called Asian America from Hollywood to D.C. and beyond. Uh, we've got media, entertainment, food, family, politics, representation, the good, the bad, the WTF of it all. So check us out wherever you get your podcasts or at theycallsbruce.com. Peace. Peace.